0: Have you ever um, missed a deadline on a project? <laughs> I uh, I have. Um, I had a, I had a manager I, not just once. I had a manager once tell me that it was okay because I had missed my deadline, and he said that he always doubled every estimate that a software developer gave him, just <laughs> out of the box. And maybe he was thinking, and for you, I'll start tripling them but but uh but as a software developer i don't know if it's like this in other kinds of projects but you know whether it's home improvement or something at work or whatever uh, there's there's a point where you kind of say all right i'm in too far right i can't go back but i'm not sure if i can i can go forward right i'm not sure if you know have i made myself you know kind of a, a gotten into a terrible place can i back out gracefully you know can i just kind of say i'm going to i'm going to start all over again um you know and and you know, try try harder the next time. But but you you break things. You know, you you, you take it all apart. Um, and you can do that with software too. You, you take it all apart; it no longer works. And the hope is that you add the new feature or you fix whatever the the problem was, and then you can put it all back together again, and it'll work. It's it's and I'm sure it's true for pretty much anything you might want to build. But there's that moment of saying, "Oops." <laughs> it's like you know i've only got one day left on this and i'm nowhere near ready to uh, to deliver it and and uh, that 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 sensation the, the which way do i go where do i go from here i'm i'm stuck i i mean i'm not stuck i'm making progress but i'm not sure if i want to make any more progress maybe what i need to do is to bail out and just say all right we're gonna we're gonna go back to square one and start all over again, you know. Uh, that 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 moment of do I do I just press on? Do I just kind of put my head down and slog forward until I I get through, and you know schedule you know or not, or do I back out and say all right let's let's reappraise this situation because I didn't understand it from the first. So that that sensation that that sensation of I'm not sure what to do next. I I, I love this passage um, in. In uh, Luke's biography of Jesus, because he includes some information for for I think anybody who's ever been in that situation of where do I go from here, what do I do next? Because this story, the the, the call uh, Jesus calls his first disciples, it's it's in um, uh, three of the biographies of Jesus. It's in Matthew's and Mark's biographies as well, but they just tell us about the call. They they skip the part at the at the beginning, the part about the fish that we heard. And that's what I love about this story. So, um, uh, if you, uh, if you get your scriptures, uh, there in front of you, um, I want to, I want to go through this and talk about that situation, the, the first part as much as the second part. So it says Jesus is standing beside Lake Gennesaret. Lake Gennesaret's another name for, uh, the, um, the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the, the Sea of Galilee. So there's a lot of different names, depending on who'd conquered it most recently or whatever. So mostly it's just called the Sea of Galilee. But for whatever reason, Luke calls it the Lake Gennesaret here. So Jesus is is uh, standing by the, um, the, the Sea of Galilee, and he's preaching to the crowds. Now, last week we saw Jesus taught in synagogues um, but he also teaches to people outside synagogues just out in the open the problem is in a synagogue everybody sits politely on a nice little bench or something but out in the open they can all press around because they want to hear better and so Jesus says all right I'm going to to put some distance between myself and the crowd and the way I can do that easily here is i'll just go out uh, you know a couple of feet out into the water and then no one will be pressing in on me so So it says, Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. So we're going to hear more about the fishermen, but right now they're just kind of uh, by the side. And Jesus had boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, and asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. So I'm not sure why why Simon did that. We're about to hear that Simon is probably tired and frustrated but he does what Jesus asks, even though, you know, he'd rather just finish picking all the junk out of his net and go home. Uh, he says, all right, whatever, fine. And maybe that's because, you know, it's the first century. You know, people held rabbis in respect. Or maybe um, uh, one of the theories is that if you go back to chapter four, you see Jesus has healed Simon's mother-in-law. So um, maybe he figures I owe, I owe um, uh Jesus a debt because he he healed my my wife's mom um, maybe he figures I still have to figure out how to get even with Jesus because he healed I don't know <laughs> I don't know why but he he says sure I will do this so he um, he uh, goes out just a little distance from the shore and then Jesus sits down and teaches the crowd from the boat so there Simon is you know kind of <laughs> this is a long sermon I want to go home and and Jesus finally wraps it up, and uh, maybe Simon was fascinated. Who knows? The crowd was. So, um, so uh, when he finished, he told Simon, "Okay, row back to shore, and then you can go home." No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do what Simon was hoping. Instead, he says, "Hey, I've got an idea, Simon. Let's go fishing." <laughs> and Simon says, "Let's." Let's not. He says, he says, um, uh, Jesus says, row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. And Simon says, master. Um, so the, just a polite term. He's saying, hey, boss, uh, chief, um, no, um, we've worked hard all night. I've already done fishing. I'm fished out right now. Um, I've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. Now, we have to pause there. We have to pause there and think, you know, it's the same verse, but, but to just pause and say, you know, I have done this, Jesus. I fished all night. And I've been doing this for quite a while. And I'm not in the habit of taking advice on fishing from carpenters. But particularly after a hard night, he says, he says, you know, I'm a fisherman. I've been around the block. I know how to catch fish, and and you know sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's like sometimes you you get them right away and you go home and you have an easy night of it. Sometimes it takes a while. But he fished all night. You know it was not just you know from six o'clock until midnight. It's like it's past midnight now, and he's thinking, you know, how many times more can I throw this net in the water? And you know you've you've been in that situation. What do I do now? Do I just do I just call it a day? You know, it's like they're just not here today. I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'll go home, get some rest, come back fresh tomorrow. I'll, I'll catch them tomorrow. Maybe, maybe he's thinking that or maybe he's saying, you know, I really need to catch the fish. You know, I've got, you know, financial responsibilities or we're hungry or whatever, whatever he's thinking. But he's in that situation where it's like, what do I do now? It's 2 o'clock. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I've been fishing. No luck. What do I do next? What do I do next? next and he keeps going and he keeps going and now it's morning and i'm guessing as soon as it was light he's like all right that's it not going to be any fish during the daytime so he goes ashore he starts picking all the crud you know the beer cans and everything else out of his nets and and he's like he's done and that's when jesus shows up and now jesus is saying do it some more And he rolls his eyes, lets out a sigh. I know Luke didn't mention that, but you know that they're there. And he says, okay, fine. Whatever. So they dropped their nets. And their catch was so huge that the nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. Luke doesn't call it a miracle. He doesn't use the word miracle, but it's obviously a miracle. You don't catch fish like that. You know, you don't catch fish, especially when you spent all night proving the fish are somewhere else in the lake right now. So you don't catch fish like that. You don't catch fish so that your nets are are splitting. You don't catch fish so that two boats are on the verge of sinking. Jesus knows, uh, or Peter knows I keep calling him Peter. It says Simon here. Later on, he'll get the name Peter. Sorry, I'm glad you've been able to follow me on that. (laughs) I hope. Um, So Simon Peter, um, he realizes that, that this guy is not just some rabbi teaching a crowd. He is a holy one. He is somebody way too holy for him, way too holy to be in his boat, way too holy for Peter, Simon Peter, to be anywhere near. So what does he say? He says... Leave me, Lord. Notice it's not master now. He's like upgraded Jesus. He's not just some guy who's bossing him around. He is the Lord. He says, Leave me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. And James and John, Zebedee's son, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. But Jesus doesn't say, You're right. I am way too holy for you. Instead, he says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to shore, they left everything and they followed Jesus. So, what's the lesson? Well, the lesson is they obeyed Jesus. Even even when it didn't make any sense to them, even when they didn't feel like doing it, they obeyed Jesus and they got this great catch of fish. Now, I'm not sure that they had any idea what Jesus meant when he said, from now on you'll be fishing for people. And the reason I think that is because uh, all the all the commentaries that I've read um, are debating exactly what Jesus meant. I mean, they, they had an obvious, you know, obviously they had some idea, but what, what exactly does that mean to fish for people? And so people have wondered what that meant, and I'm not sure Peter knew. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that he said, I don't know, but this is the fish guy. This is the guy who filled my boat full of fish, and whatever he says to do, from now on I'm going to do it. Now, he is still learning. He's he's um, he's figuring it out. We can see that through the rest of this book, and in fact, volume two, the, the Acts of the Apostles, where Luke tells us more about how Peter continues to learn what it means to fish for people. But he's learned the important thing. You know, I've wondered... As I've read this, I've wondered, well, what happened to the fish? You know, did, did they just dump them back overboard, you know, kind of a catch-and-release thing? Did they leave them there in the boat? You know, what happened to the boats? Some people have suggested, well, maybe there was somebody else there. You know, Peter had another partner or Zebedee was there along with his sons or whatever. And, and you know, kind of the mess gets cleaned up that way. But but Luke doesn't care because the important thing is that they follow Jesus. It's like whatever happens with the fish, whatever happens with the boat, whatever happens with their whole previous life is unimportant. And he's right because if they had said no if they had said sorry got to deal with the fish first and I'll get back to you later if they had done that we wouldn't know who they were we wouldn't be you know debating is this Peter or Simon you know we wouldn't be we wouldn't know their names they'd be three people who lived and died 2000 years ago and we wouldn't know anything about them but they followed Jesus so so the lesson for us is obviously to follow Jesus if you have to leave early and we have a long service today so if you have to leave early that is the lesson follow Jesus follow Jesus um, even, maybe especially even, when it seems like a dumb idea, when he's telling you to do the same thing over again. Now, that's not always easy. You know, when you're thinking, well, how do I follow Jesus in my work? Or how do I follow Jesus in my relationship? How do I follow Jesus with my finances? You know, that's not obvious. Again, Jesus is not walking along a beach for us to follow along behind him. But Jesus has, the, 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 the whole New Testament Bears witness to Jesus, and so does the Old Testament in in, um, uh, in in types and signs. So Jesus is is witness to throughout the whole of Scriptures, but Jesus is also witness to in His Church because He is the the head of the Church, and so the way we follow Jesus is by reading the New Testament and by Talking things over with a mature Christian counsel. So talk to other Christians. Say, here's what I think Jesus is calling me to do. It's you know, here's I was reading in the Bible and it seemed to me like that's what he's telling. What do you think about that? So that's the lesson. That's the lesson. Go do that um in your lives, do that in the different parts of your life. Um and especially when you say, Well, I'm not sure if I should go backward or forward. What should I do next? Those are the great places to follow Jesus. Twenty years ago, I did that. I started to get the sense, and there was a lot. Of, I'll shorten the story, um, but there was a lot of things that made me think maybe Jesus was calling me to become a pastor. And so, I read about it. I prayed about it. I talked to my pastors. I talked to other Christian Christians I knew in the church, and. When I became persuaded at long last, and I probably dug in my heels pretty pretty long as part of that, but eventually I became persuaded that's what Jesus was calling me to do. And I went to seminary, and I became a pastor, and I've spent the last 10 years as the pastor here. And increasingly, I am having the feeling that I used to have back when I was a software developer. The, where do we go from here? I don't know where this congregation is being led. It's It's... It's different. For most of my my professional career, and certainly in the churches before I became a pastor, it was pretty obvious where the church was going. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly where Jesus is calling this church to go. We have emerged from the pandemic. So that tells me, you know, and some churches didn't. And that tells me that. Jesus still has a use for this church. There's something God wants to do through this church, and in some ways, we're actually in a better position than than we were going into the pandemic. Uh, you know, primarily we are now um, able to gather online, so we we have some insurance against future closures or anything like that. But we've also got a presence that our community can can find us. Um, I think uh, increasingly today, uh, being online. Um, for for your worship services and so forth, is is what people look for. The way ten or fifteen years ago, they started looking for you on on a web page. That you know, if you couldn't Google the church, then it didn't really exist. And I think increasingly, that's the way people in our community will look at churches. They will say, "I don't even know about that church. And you, you drive by it every day, but yeah, but are they online?" So I think at least in that one way, we're probably in a better position. But. We weren't in a great position when we went into the pandemic. If you remember, we were in the middle of a revitalization project because because the reality is we are people from the silent generation and the boomers and Gen Xers. And our intention as a church is to hand this church over and its ministry to people from the millennial generation and Generation Z. That is our purpose. And we were working on a revitalization plan. And COVID really put a stop to that. And so now, as we as we take on that work of revitalization again, we've got a whole new environment, and so we've got to figure out how do we adapt to this new environment. There's one thing I think uh, that that makes uh, that gives me some some hope that maybe. The path is is in a particular direction. I see increasingly signs that that the the decline of Christianity in the United States is slowing. For the last 50 years, Christianity has been on the decline, not just in, in one or two churches, but across the whole country. And increasingly, I see that that seems to be at least slowing, if not stopping. I see a new openness to, to people to discuss the big questions in life, the, the big questions, the, the who am I, the why am I here, the, the how do I have, how do I find happiness? And what happens when I die? I think I think there is increasing skepticism that the answers to those big questions can be found in a in a materialism, a, a a naturalistic explanation. Well, it's all just chemicals, you know. And and when when you die, you die. I think that there's increasing skepticism about that. To now now, there's still skepticism about Christianity, but those big questions are things that Christians have have great answers for. It's. It's really um, what our church is about. We have good answers to those big questions. And we've had 2,000 years to think and reflect on those good answers. So I think we we are well-equipped. But even more than that, Christianity, if Christianity is anything, it is good news. If Christianity is not good news, then we are doing it wrong. And the world, I think, is hungry for good news. I mean... You know the problems, I don't have to rehearse them. The, the pandemic, you know, all of the, the, the disruptions that's caused people losing jobs, unemployment, uh, you know, the supply chain, you know, all those things, right? There's a lot of pain in the world. And Christianity is good news to a world that is hungry for good news. So part of me says, I don't know. I, I don't know. I see all these problems, revitalization, the post-COVID landscape. And I say, I feel like I've been fishing all night and caught nothing. But I can't, I can't avoid the possibility that we might be on the verge of a great catch. And so our second application is I'm going to invite you to be in prayer for this church and its mission. Today we will be installing um, new officers in the church. And the purpose of those officers is to lead this church, to discern where God is calling this church to go, and then to lead us as we go in that direction. And so I'm going to invite you to be in prayer for all of our officers as as they seek first to discern the will of God and then to join in to 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 lean in and and put your shoulder behind whatever momentum our leaders invite us into i wish i wish i had a clear vision we're going that way but i don't i feel like peter sitting in that boat but maybe jesus is going to tell us how and in what way we drop our nets for a great catch let's pray loving god we thank you for jesus and for the guidance he gives us when we don't know where to go in our in our individual lives as we think about our our job and our finances our relationships and our parenting, all the different ways that we can find guidance from Jesus. But we pray it as well, Lord, for this congregation so that we can truly be good news in a hurting world. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.